we've decided to make this podcast to share with our uh, listeners uh, some of our insights that we've gained from talking to different people in the field and also to allow some of our clients and some of the uh, people who we've encountered give their opinions about what they think are most important in drug discovery. Welcome. You're listening to Under the Surface, a podcast where we have in-depth discussions on computer-aided techniques in drug discovery. Today was our first in a series of uh, podcasts called Under the Surface, uh, where we're going to discuss uh, computer-aided drug discovery. My name is Chris Williams. I've been working at CCG for 25 years now, and I've been a support scientist. So um, I've been seeing how pharma and biotech use our software. My co-host is Dave Thompson. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. Dave, you're also an application scientist. I am. I've been at CCG now coming up on five years. So I feel like there's some sort of promotion or raise conversation we have to have. Probably not on the podcast, but at some point, right? Well, that's right. But you're going to become a senior. No, I already am that. Okay, so you become super senior. (laughs) A senile. (laughs) Senile Honestly, I think my, my LinkedIn followers look forward to seeing that. Wait, he, did he just write super senior application? Super senior. <laughs> Is exactly. that a thing? You've got magical <laughs> powers now. I, I I knew there was a magical power thing that was unlocked at five years. I just, I know just we don't talk about it. Your uh, expense account for drinking becomes unlimited. <laughs> well, I got some good news and some bad news. Um, uh, well, what are we going to be talking about in Under the Surface? And thank you for reminding me the name of the podcast because... Uh, for a minute there, I blanked on it. I was like, couldn't remember. Yeah. So I think in under the surface, we want to look under the surface about what's going on in computational chemistry. It's very clever. Um, that's that's the that's the why well, we called it that. And I think part of the reason is as application scientists, uh, we have a lot of experience with uh, different user groups, different ways that software is used, and we'd like to take this opportunity to sort of bring people together and discuss what works and what doesn't work in uh, current computational drug discovery. Is it going to be a gritty and realistic uh, expose of the underbelly of computational chemistry? Um, perhaps. Well, in some cases, we want to maybe take the gloves off a little bit. Um, and sometimes we'll keep the gloves on. I mean, uh, that's just the way things are. I mean, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of skepticism. There's a lot of new technology coming out. It's a bit of a flurry and even, you know, I've been in the field for a while, but now there's lots of new stuff coming up with AI. There's a lot more biologics. Uh, computers, of course, getting faster and stronger. And uh, the question is, you know, to what extent is this going to uh, bear fruit that's maybe different from the fruit that we've been eating from computational chemistry for the last 25 years? And and honest to goodness, I, I, I am looking forward to trying to not be as cynical about this because I feel like some of these things we've heard about for decades. Yes. So yes. I, I'm looking forward to to hearing some hopeful stories of of evolving technology and and it, it being applied in successful ways. Um, but I also do like perhaps to have the opportunity during this podcast to maybe ask some of those challenging questions about, well, why is it different this time around? Like, did we solve some of those problems or is it just a shameless, you know, retelling of some of those old stories? 
That's actually very interesting. I saw an article in uh, The Economist about, uh, you know, uh, transformer, transformational technologies, and it seems more and more, there's more and more papers confirming things and less and less papers presenting paradigm shifts. So that's something to, to think about as well. You know, when we look at what's new in computational chemistry, how is it different from what we did in the past? Yeah. Can we expect, you know, better results? Why do we expect better results? What techniques do we use to get better results? And ultimately, is the impact on the overall drug discovery process uh, uh, bigger than it was historically? Yeah, I think those are all uh, interesting questions that I am excited to have a front seat in both asking and listening to the answers to. So that's going to be very exciting. Um, I would also like to ask questions of people regarding who the field is, right? Um what do we, you know, we don't just software that gets used to do a thing doesn't just live in a vacuum. It gets it gets executed by people and commercial software gets paid for. And if something is paid for, it means that there's sort of a, a trade-off that may have to be made if you're kind of spending resources in a company to pay for it. So the idea that, you know, software is a sort of a, a socio-political thing, perhaps, maybe that sounds too grand, but the idea that there's sort of a sociology behind it, I find really interesting. So it'd be interesting um, to understand well, a little bit well, about that's, that. I think that's 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 very uh, true and something to discuss because a lot of, you know, the old saying is, you know, science uh, progresses one funeral at a time. So, you know, in, in the communities, what are the, um, maybe because of the people in the communities or just, you know, uh, you know, historically, um, why do we approach things certain ways? You know, um, what is the community um, composed of in terms of personalities? How how do those personalities accept change, right? Um, and you know, we see that sort of in with with big pharma versus uh, uh, um, small biotech. Big pharma tends to they've discussed this idea of a lack of innovation or, or difficult to innovate as a as a community gets larger, and whereas a small community like a biotech can innovate, right? So as, as, as computational gets larger, to what extent does a large computational group or, or uh, you know, large amounts of precedence and computational methods stop you from innovating? Yeah, there was a, I, I don't know where I read it over the weekend, but there was some article that said about how the folks who are being let go from all the tech companies are being snapped up by older companies who are hoping that these new hires will bring with them a new way of seeing how to do things, right? So it's sort of this trickle-down innovation approach. Some, I, I know that we have on the roster for our upcoming chats or conversations with folks in the field. We have a bunch of people from both big and small firms. Um, so that that feels like some interesting conversations we'll have with them uh, regarding exactly this. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think especially with the small firms, it'll be interesting to see what uh, you know new technologies they're, they're bringing because typically the small firms are based on applying uh, uh, existing technologies in a different way or, you know, a brand new type of technology. Yeah. Um, and also with big farmers, that'll be a, a question of how much of these things can go into production. You know, you know, maybe a certain technology works in one situation, but not others. So it might work for a small biotech on their one or a few target systems. A large uh, uh, pharma has, you know, many, many different uh, disease programs. So, some technologies may work in one and not in another. So I think they'll have to give us a good overview of, of what works where. Yep. Yeah. Oftentimes these newer companies almost read more like technology companies than they do 
companies operating in, in the life sciences space. So um, that's going to be uh, curious to explore a little bit with these with these folks who are generous enough to give us their time. So yes, yes. Um, the other thing I selfishly want to understand, or, or or for us to explore perhaps over the coming episodes, is is a little bit about CCG as a company. I've been here five years. Um, prior to that, I was a customer. I've always enjoyed my interactions with with uh, with the people I either bought the software with or the people that I'm lucky enough to call colleagues now. Um, but CCG has been around what almost thirty years now. Yes, uh, I met Paul Abute in 19, 1994. Yeah, so it's been so. almost thirty years since uh, we, I started consulting for them, and then started working full time in '98. Yeah, so I think they the, they first conceived the company in early '93, and then finally brought the product to market in '97. So do we do we think there will be some opportunity to get some of our colleagues on on the record having a a conversation? Like such a curious thing. I just think it's such a fabulous story uh, that I think it would be. Uh, super I think to I kind think of... so. We still have. I mean, we still have the most of the the founders of the company still work at the company and uh, you know we've seen lots of different changes in technology mm. from silicon graphics machines and sun workstations and um you know the different uh, uh technologies that were popular at a certain time and then you know fell out of favor so um and also just the general approach of why we built the system um there's some uh technological as well as actually marketing background as to why we chose to make the the operating system was based on some market surveys so if we can talk about that oh yeah there was we did market surveys on what people um didn't like about their software and we came with there was three points and i'll save that for the episode but yeah. uh we based on that market survey that's how we designed uh the most software wow that's that's i i i'm i can't wait for that it's going to be fabulous yeah um yeah in 30 years so much has happened right we've we've gone from I don't know the early stages of of using computers to support drug discovery, all the way through to what we just described, sort of mm -hmm. drug uh, computational first companies, which is just it's going to be pretty exciting to to understand more of that. Yeah, I mean, so much has changed, right? Since I started, uh, you know, the, the number of crystal structures has grown incredibly. You know, how much has that helped drug discovery overall? That's going to be interesting to sort of maybe suss out. Yeah. Yeah, the role of structural information, uh, the absence of it, the in silico prediction of it, right? Mm -hmm. It'd be kind of cool. There's, especially with the new AlphaVolt structures coming out mm -hmm. and what's the impact of that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty exciting time, I think. It'd be good. It's a good time to review what's been done. Um, and with, you know, the new uh, structural information plus the new uh, push with artificial intelligence, it'll be quite interesting to see, um, you know, what different people who actually work in the field you know uh have to say about what works and what doesn't as we move forward well i'm excited thanks for listening to this week's episode of under the surface don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an upcoming episode if you have suggestions for future show topics please email us at support at chemcomp.com until then signing off